Oh, thanks, Dean. Thanks for the, the welcome as well. It's nice to feel welcomed wherever you go, you know. Well, not that I feel welcomed necessarily everywhere I go, but um, to, nice to feel welcomed in the home, in church. Um, and what a privilege, really, this morning as well to follow on from baptisms. Um, really awesome. Really, <coughs> really moved, actually, by what um, Shalomi and Sue had to share this morning. Um, awesome. Awesome declaration of faith. Um, I'm really looking forward to that, that salad, uh, Dean. I, uh, is it a pasta salad? <laughs> Sorry, it's just a real, really bad joke. Uh, I, I came up with what I was waiting to come up with up here. Um, as Dean mentioned, my name's Joel. Um, I've been uh, at this church for, for quite a while, quite a number of years, um, and feel yeah, very privileged to be asked to speak again this year. I uh, obviously didn't offend people enough the first time I spoke um, to, have to be invited to speak again. Um, I joke, but um, it's, yeah, it's great to be able to share with you this morning. So um, this morning, Dean has asked me to share on uh, what it looks like to be sold out for Jesus. Um, I, I don't have any affiliation with the, the team that that fan represents. I wanted to be impartial, but um, what it looks like to be sold out for Jesus. Who here wants an average life? No one. Who wants to achieve average things? Has anyone in the room ever contemplated settling for average in something? I have. If I'm honest, I have. Um, Certainly applies to me. So um, some of you might know, Tammy and I, we've been uh, looking at buying a house uh, over the last few months uh, and looking at, at different homes. Can you imagine going through an open home where the real estate agent says, welcome to the most average home on the street. The interior condition of the home is average. The condition of the cladding is average. The neighbours are averagely noisy. The foundations look quite obviously average, particularly the piles. Oh, and by the way, you think, we think you'll have a mediocre life here. Mediocre means basically to be to average. See, you know, that agent will probably be out of a job. Um, you know, ask, ask Caleb uh, how he'd get on in presenting people's houses like that. Uh, he probably won't be in the profession very long. So how do we represent Christ? Do we appear averagely interested or even disinterested in uh, talking about him with others? Do we bring light and a solutions mindset into our daily lives Or do we hide our light under a rock and contribute to complaints, negativity, and problems instead? Do we get bogged down by wanting to fit in and be normal, average? See, most of society is comfortable with average because average doesn't challenge anything, it doesn't offend anyone. And so, you know, there's this culture that's perpetuated of average being normal and average being right. Our culture, particularly in New Zealand, is rife with the pressure to not be the nail that sticks out, to be average along with with everyone else. See, average is nothing to aspire to. You've all declared it this morning. No no one put up their hand saying they wanted an average life. Jesus wasn't average. Does anyone here believe Jesus was average? 
Because I'm here to remind you that Jesus was sold out. That's the complete opposite of average. In, uh, in John 2, Jesus turns water into wine, ultimate party guest. In John 4, Jesus brings many Samaritans to relationship with God through the woman at the well and heals an official son uh, who was about to die of sickness. In John 5, he makes a lame man walk. Uh, in John 6, he turns a few loaves and fish into food for thousands uh, and he walks on water. Uh, in John 9, he heals a man born blind. In John 11, he raises Lazarus from the dead. And, and on and on the examples go. Actually, well, from a rough count, quick count I did, I could count more than 30 different miracles uh, in the Gospels. Uh, and, and doubtlessly, there'd be many more than that um, because we could probably have a book, the length of the Bible, of actually all the things that, that Jesus did if all of them were recorded. So what do I mean to be sold out? The most fitting description I could find was that it means to be completely committed, devoted, invested, and engaged to a cause, to have no reserves about the decision you're making, to be willing to go anywhere, do anything, and give up everything in order to achieve your goal by any means necessary. Ultimately, that's the statement that's been made in front of us this morning by two awesome people that have um, dedicated their life to God. So again, to be completely committed, devoted, invested, and engaged to a cause. To have no reserves about the decision you are making. To be willing to go anywhere, do anything, and give up everything in order to achieve your goal by any means necessary. Jesus didn't have an average belief in God. He was and is sold out on his relationship with God. He was 100% sold out on his mission to be the Messiah, to provide a pathway so that whoever believed and believes, because it still applies, in him will not perish but have eternal life to bring relationship between God and man. Nothing about his ministry was average. The disciples he chose might have been average people, but their ministry wasn't average. Their whole lives were transformed by Christ. I mean, look at Saul, who became Paul. He went from being sold out on intent to destroy the church, because he believed it was his duty, to being sold out on intent to grow the church and spread the good news. Those that have achieved greatness, either by the world or society's standards, or by the kingdom's standards, by God's standards, they were sold out for something. So I don't know about you, but I want to achieve greatness for the kingdom. When I get to heaven, I don't want to hear, nah, average effort, Joel, mediocre servant. Yeah? I want to hear, well, well done, good and faithful servant. Being sold out for something means action for it. We need to be viewing our commission as written in Matthew 28 as an ethical obligation. We have been freely offered the best gift that anyone, anywhere, at any time will ever be offered. There's not a limited supply of it, monetary conditions for it, or a lengthy, expensive degree needed in order to earn the gift of eternal life. 
Speaking for myself here, we all often make excuses for why our neighbour doesn't want to know or we don't need to talk with them about Christ, for why our colleague is just too irritating or difficult to have a spiritual conversation with, why you know, if we try and engage in a God discussion with a good friend, we'll lose their friendship and they'll, they'll hate us. So we make a judgment on their life and their interests. Um, and, and this is actually you know, mirroring a bit what was talked about last Sunday. I'd encourage you to go back and have a re-listen to last Sunday's message too. A part of you might quietly say, you know, it's, it's too late now to do great things as I'm old. Or I've already done my job of achieving some great things for the kingdom. Or I've made irreparable mistakes. Or I wish I could start my life over. Well, you know, physically you can't. The reality is that you are in this room right now, or perhaps listening online to the recording, you're not dead yet. So why think like it? You, know, you still have time and you have a purpose. The very last psalm, Psalm 150 uh, verse 6, says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And she was murdered in the song this morning. Um, personally, I think there's something final about it being the very last verse of the very last psalm. I don't know whether that's intent or, or what, but it's not just a coverall over every living thing, so let everything that um, has breath, so animals, the plants, human beings, etc., praise the Lord, but actually it's a continuous statement because while you still have breath, everything that has breath, be praising God, not just through singing, also through prayer, but also through action. So if Christ was completely sold out for God, and we are to imitate him as our example, how can we practically develop this? So I've identified four components for being sold out. Um, firstly, absolute belief. Secondly, obsession, which is almost like a dirty word, like money willing pioneer, and sacrifice. Uh, I'm going to talk to the first two today um, because there's, we've got some great lunch and some great salad out there. So absolute belief. Uh, I, I define that as to have no reserves about the decision you're making. Drawing back to my description of what it looks like to be sold out, to have no reserves about the decision that you're making. Complete trust or faith in someone or something is absolute belief. Most of us probably know of William Wilberforce. He was well known uh, for his work in the abolition of slavery. He actually became a politician before he became a Christian and considered leaving politics uh, after devoting his life to God afresh around the age of 26. At the age of 28, he began to pursue the abolition of the slave trade uh, as a first measure rather than trying to tackle the whole issue of slavery um, when society wasn't ready for it. It wasn't actually William who proposed the idea of the abolition of the slave trade. In fact, he actually took a couple of years to be convinced of the importance. However, once on board, William faithfully pursued his conviction despite multiple failed attempts to bring the bill to Parliament uh, and the social popularity of the bill what society thought of the bill, changing, because they had a war with France and 
um, the abolition of slavery was linked to um, being anti-England, um, and so dropped in popularity. But despite that, he pursued a result for 25 years. Um, that was by the time that the abolition of the slave trade uh, bill came to pass. So that, to me, is the description of someone passionate and committed to the cause that God has placed on their heart. In 25 years of perhaps seeing very little progress, feeling discouraged, beaten back, um, and feeling like you're not making perhaps a, a big difference. But following uh, the victory over law regarding the slave trade, William Wilberforce continued to pursue the abolition of slavery itself. So this lasted for the rest of his life. The Slavery Abolition Act was passed about a month after his death in 1833. He didn't get to see that act passed. So that's, that to me is a picture of absolute belief. There's no reserves about the decision made. You know, he might have had reserves initially, but you don't get to the point of campaigning all your adult life for something if you don't have a belief in what it is that you're campaigning for. You know, sometimes uh, we might feel like we've been campaigning for something for a long time and discouraged to see no fruit born, to, see, to not see uh, something come to pass. But you, know, you don't know the impact, the effect of what the work that you're doing today will have perhaps even one year or a hundred years after you're no longer on this planet. So similar to what we've seen this morning, baptism is a statement of complete trust and faith in God. A statement of surrendering the control of your life to God, allowing Him to take over. In Matthew, Matthew 13, verse 44 to 46, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. The man discovering treasure in a hidden field, he was aware of something the owner of the land probably wasn't. And then you've got a merchant on the lookout for pearls, someone perhaps with greater than average skill or knowledge, able to identify value where others don't. They have an absolute belief in the wealth that they will obtain in each scenario, such that they're willing to sell all they own to obtain it. Now, Jesus' illustration is that the value of entering the kingdom of heaven is so great that sacrificing all your possessions is so obviously worth it. But this requires absolute belief from us that Christ is the only way. And I'll give you a more simple example. If Dean had uh, $10 and I had $5 and I said to Dean, look, Dean, I'll give you $5 for... for uh, sorry, other way around. I had $10, Dean had $5. And I said to Dean, now, Dean, if you give me that $5, I'll give you this $10 note. I mean, ever, provided you trust that the $10 note's legitimate, you know, then every single person in this room would take that trade, right? That's, that's a no-brainer. It's like free money. So, again, that's, that's Christ's example, is the, to obtain um, the kingdom of heaven is such a no-brainer that all that we possibly have in this life, the kingdom of heaven is worth so much more than that. See, Jesus repeats this idea when he talks to the rich young man in Matthew chapter 19, uh, verse 16 to 22. Now he, he raises the idea of having such absolute belief, such absolute faith, 
to be willing to sell you know, all material possessions, uh, give to the poor in exchange for treasure in heaven. The young man leaves disappointed because he didn't want to sell his possessions. Uh, he didn't value treasure in heaven. He didn't have absolute belief in Jesus. He focused to his works, uh, his deeds, right from his initial question to Jesus, if you go and look through the verse. See, Jesus continually demonstrated absolute belief in his mission and in the Father. When tempted by the devil in the wilderness, he did not let himself be led astray. And we sung this morning, fire rising in my soul, all-consuming flame. Obsession. The pulling again from the initial description of being sold out. The obsession element is to be completely committed, devoted, invested, and engaged to a, to a cause. Completely committed, devoted, invested, and engaged to a cause. All those who are sold out to something are obsessed by it. Obsession is also termed as an idea or thought that continually preoccupies or intrudes on a person's mind. Who uh, in the room saw this guy in the news? So for those that didn't hear, this guy who's actually from the wider rapper um, got a tattoo of the Webb Ellis Trophy, uh, the Rugby World Cup, on his arm with 2019 written onto the trophy as if you know, the All Blacks were uh, definitely going to win um, the Rugby World Cup. Um, obviously this was before the semi-final with England. Um, he stated, and I pull from stuff here, he stated, I'm confident that they're not going to lose. I back them 100%. When asked where he would fit the 2023 date if the All Blacks were to win in four years' time, he proposed that he would put another cup on his calf and start from 2023. Wow. So obviously, you know, there is absolute belief in the All Blacks there. Um, but you'd have to be, you know, have a bit of an obsession with rugby and the All Blacks to make that sort of statement. Like, if you're just an average person going... Yeah, I think the All Blacks are going to win. You're probably not going to go to that level of having, making such a statement, such an obvious statement. See, we might laugh about this and call them foolish for doing such a thing prematurely, but are we prepared to make such a statement for Christ? I'm not suggesting we all go out and get Jesus tattoos, um, but if the camera is rolling and the microphone is pointed at us, are we going to make such an obsessed statement as, I'm fully confident in Jesus. I back him 100%. I dedicate my life to him. Here I am, send me. 2019, 2023, and on and on. I'll give you another example. Some of you know that I'm a big Liverpool fan. I know, I know Hadley is too. Uh, any other Liverpool fans in the room? Yeah, a few. <laughs> See, mo most weekends for... The last couple of years, uh, I've been up in the middle of the night uh, watching the team live. Um, it partially drives Tammy nuts. In fact, uh, I was watching the team play at 1.30 a.m. this morning. Uh, I even planned my, my sleep around it to ensure I'm not suffering sleep-wise. Now, some might describe that as obsession. Um, what do you think, Tammy? <laughs> while, while things are going well with the team, you know, while they're playing well, uh, and leading the competition as they are now, uh, it's easy to have the energy uh, to get up and watch the matches. 
Uh, but when things aren't going so well, uh, as, it was, as was the case a few years ago, I wasn't quite making the same effort to get up and watch every game. Perhaps you're finding that because things haven't been going well in your own life recently, you're not feeling very obsessed about your relationship with Christ. Perhaps there's been financial hardship, relationship breakdown, loss of family members, family arguments, stress over planning Christmas this year, sickness or injuries, and that's caused you to lose some of that passion. So how do we regain our passion? How do we refocus? How do we run with endurance the race God has set before us? Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. So let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. For example, we continually occupy our mind through our focus on Jesus. Back to talking about obsession. So what's obsession? An idea, thought or person who continually occupies a person's mind. Being completely committed and completely devoted to a cause. It's vital to be sold out for Jesus. Matthew 6, verse 20 to 21 says, Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So your obsession will direct your heart's desires. Personally, I feel challenged as to what dominates my thoughts and mine the most. And what do I obsess over? Is it Jesus? Is it work? Is it buying a home? Is it sport? Is it what the cafe is serving after the service because they do such good food and coffee? When you combine obsession with absolute belief, it prompts action. It creates action. When you combine obsession with absolute belief, it prompts and creates action. So how can we take action? To develop our relationship with Christ, to become increasingly sold out, to foster absolute belief and create an obsession with imitating Christ and how we live our lives. Absolute belief comes through faith. And as Romans 10 verse 17 says, faith comes through hearing the message. I'd encourage you uh, that if you are struggling with having absolute belief in Christ, to go back to reading the Word more thoroughly, more regularly. If you have questions, the Word is a great starting point for answers. So God is constantly open for conversation. He doesn't hang up the be back in 10 minutes sign or flip the sign over from, closed, uh, from open to closed at 5 p.m. I'd encourage you to air your difficulties with God, to talk to Him throughout the day, throughout the week. Not only bringing the difficulties, but bringing him thanks for all things. Continue to pray through all things. Uh, as uh, to those who continue to knock, those who persist in prayer, the door will be opened. Listen to the testimonies of others, whether by video, audiobook, physical book, 
or meeting up uh, with others in person. There are plenty of great ways to be encouraged. I'm personally a big fan of the application Audible, uh, where you can access a ton of great audiobooks. I'm, I'm not getting paid, paid by them to advertise it. Um, I, I drive around a lot, so um, it's a really, I find it an awesome way to redeem the time of otherwise, you know, dead to be f filling my mind and engaging it with good stuff. Um, perhaps habit change is needed. You know, maybe you watch too much TV or, or football. Um, you know, spend too much time on social media, spend time obsessing or worrying over things that you have no control over or have outright destructive habits that you're addicted to. Think about all the time that you spend on those things. How much more time would you have with God if you devoted even 10 or 20% of that time to relationship building with Him? Often we can feel a bit exhausted by life in general. What I find uh, most energizing is thinking about or doing the things that I'm passionate about. When you understand and are aware of what these things are, think of ways to tie them in with your relationship with Christ. An awesome example of um, Shalomi with her, her hairdressing. Um, perhaps you're passionate about the business you run, whether it's hairdressing or building or whatever it might be. How can you involve God every day in the conversations you have with customers, with colleagues? Accountability. Now, this largely fits in well with, with the action points of routine, habit change, and uh, listening to the testimonies of others, but who can you meet with that you can trust to share the challenges you're going through, that can encourage you uh, and counsel you? Now, we often use the phrase, holding someone accountable. But the reality is that the only person I can hold accountable is me. The only person you can hold accountable is yourself. The responsibility is your own. For example, you know, I catch up uh, every Friday morning with Uriah. He's got no ability to hold me accountable, nor do I have the ability to hold him accountable. Um, don't try and delegate ownership or responsibility for your actions to others. But the uh, having the time to spend meeting with someone and uh, having that reminder of, I've, I'm meeting with that person, I need to be doing these things that I said I'd do. Um, it's about holding yourself accountable. Uh, lastly, personal challenge. Perhaps you're competitive like I am. You, know, you could challenge yourself to do something to advance the kingdom each week. Maybe it could be to have a spiritual conversation with a colleague, uh, and there's some great examples on ways to do this last week. Uh, it could be um, having spiritual conversation with a friend or a family member, um, acquaintance, uh, customers. See, as we come up to Christmas in 10 days, let us keep our focus fixed on God. As we come to the end of 2019, let us strive to grow in our relationship with Christ and to be good and faithful servants in the world around us. How can we each individually strive to be more sold out in our daily life? How can we pursue less being average and more being sold out for Christ? Let's close in prayer. Lord, I thank you for um, what an awesome uh, service this morning for uh, the baptisms that 
uh, we're able to witness and be able to uh, be privy to uh, the testimonies uh, of those that um, have shared their journey uh, with us. Lord, I thank you um, for every single person in this room, how you value and love every single person in this room as, as unique, uh, as special, as important. I pray that you encourage uh, all of us, Lord, as we uh, go out from here today, as we uh, head into the world around, as we um, go back to work perhaps on Monday, as we think about Christmas. Help us to have at the front and centre um, as we come up to Christmas the reason for the season. Um, Lord, we're so thankful for you for bringing Christ uh, to deliver us, to provide us a pathway to a relationship with you. Um, I pray your peace uh, and your blessing on all of us here, Lord, as we go out into the week. In Jesus' name, amen.